Storage space is one of those funny things you rarely think about until you run out of it. This is true if you're talking about the spice shelf in your pantry, just as much as the free 15 gigs that comes with your Gmail account. But when it's full, your options are clean out what you don't need, looking at you three-year-old container of sriracha powder, or expand capacity. Across every gadget we own, every account we maintain, and every press of the shutter button on your camera, one universal truth is we're adding to that digital storage footprint every second of every day. And as the technology evolves, every image file becomes bigger and seemingly every AAA title fills your Xbox hard drive that little bit faster. Today we're pulling forward a topic we actually recorded a while back. So as usual, forgive our earlier audio quality sins, but felt here and now as everyone prepares to unbox shiny new phones and install countless DLC packs, it was just the right time to talk about all things digital storage. Now, excuse me while I go figure out how to add another shelf to our spice rack. Hello, everybody, and welcome to this week's Solid State Podcast. I'm your host, John Joyce. I'm Eric Sargent. And I'm Cody Toscano. And we're back this week to uh, ask the question, what's next for storage? And no, we do not mean the uh, the closet of a million horrors down the hall or down the uh, <laughs> street, rather, from your house where you're paying someone to store stuff that, uh, you know, you probably shouldn't <laughs> have had and needed to get rid of 10 years ago, at least. That's my most recent memories of having gone through a moving process. It's like, <laughs> yes. let's just get a storage unit while we build the new house. And then at the end, other end of the tunnel, I'm like, man, I could have sold all this stuff and bought new stuff and saved money compared to what it cost me to store it for six months. I'm I'm an idiot. So, <laughs> you just got to make um, a storage no. uh, room man cave. That's it. You no, know, well, no, please. No more storage. No, no. Anyway, we're here to talk about digital storage. Zeros digital and storage today, folks. Um, no. So what, what's next for storage? Because it is an important question to ask because we, as you know, let's, let's call it what it is. The, the digital age human species is producing data at incredible rates. It's, it's absolutely incredible. When we think about um, one of our recent episodes where we talked about each of our first PCs and like the, the rapid progression our respective computers went through with how big the hard drives got generation over generation, the hard drives have to keep getting bigger because the files keep getting exponentially bigger. Mm-hmm. And I even think about like modern smartphones and the size of an individual picture taken today on a, you call it a, you know, a top range, either, you know, Samsung galaxy or iPhone or Google pixel phone or anything like that. The size of those photos compared to a camera one year ago, five years ago, 10 years ago. I mean, these individual files are huge. We expect them to be stored where we can readily get to them on the device, but also safely ensconced up in the clouds. We can get to them from every other device, or if we throw our device in the pool and we can safely go back and get them and not lose anything. And all this data has to be stored potentially in multiple play. Well, definitely in multiple places. And, um, you know, yeah, the, the, the quintessential line is yeah, storage is cheap, but it's also finite. I mean, we, we, we keep coming up with newer and better ways to store it, but where? And one of the things to put it into perspective, what you were talking about there, how it, we're creating so much data. So I'm, I'm sure these are estimates, but I, I just grabbed this off the internet real quick. So in 2019, the, the internet, as in all of it, was about, <laughs> was about 41 zettabytes of data. Okay. Um, and in 2021... It's 74 zettabytes of data. It went up 59 so zettabytes. Dumped, yeah. Yep. Everyone being at home probably helped that. Yeah, probably. But just, yeah, you're yeah, right. I mean, enough. it's like, you got to remember, like every photo you take on your iPhone, I mean, all of mine, at least, they're all backed up into iCloud. 
And mm-hmm. that's all out there on the quote unquote internet that they're counting in this and everybody else is doing the same thing. So all those photos are podcast audio files. Yep. They're all stored out there. So, you know, and all of, course, of that. There's not one, it's not one to one. Cause of course there's compression abilities and all these other ways to take large files and make them smaller. But at the end of the day, you take, you take an already big thing and make it smaller. The smaller version of that big thing, still bigger than the one we were taking yep. 10 years ago and so on. So the, the end all be all is our file storage needs continue to grow. And as some have posited, it may be growing at a, at a rate that outpaces our data storage capacity as it is today. But again, that's as it is today, that technology, like all others, continues to evolve, continues to, you know, new ideas, new, new competitors in the space. And Eric, the one, um, the article you shared with me that really kind of got this conversation originally going was now we're going to step over onto the bleeding edge of this, of these storage technologies and what, you know, really might be out there in a next generation. You were telling me, you know, the, the, the two minute version earlier about a diamond wafer am i understanding yeah. that right yeah so uh, so uh, a company has created a way to make an artificial diamond that's so pure that they'll be able to store i'm assuming they're going to write to it sort of in the same way you write to a cd like cds use a laser to print small little dots on that yep. piece of metal and then the computer uses a less powerful laser to read those dots in the ones and zeros so i'm assuming they're going to be printing ones and zeros in some sort of way they don't explain it so much in this article onto this wafer of diamond and they're saying that theoretically they will be able to store about 25 exabytes of data which they're saying is about a billion Blu-rays worth of data on a single um, five, it's five inch. Is that right? Yeah. Five, five centimeter, five centimeter wafer of this diamond. They would be able to store. So that, that's a huge amount of data on a very My small gosh. piece of. Yeah, that's incredible. Yeah. So, I mean, that's, and again, this is, I think a lot of this is theoretical at this point. They've created some of it. They've started to store data on it. I don't think they've put 25 exabytes onto one of these wafers yet, but they're, they've put enough that they can, they can extrapolate it out and theorize that it's possible to do so. Oh, by the way, 74 zettabytes is a trillion terabytes. Jesus. That's a lot of data on the internet. Yeah. as with any number that gets so sufficiently mm-hmm. big, it kind of starts to lose a lot of meaning. So I'm trying to make myself think so like a terabyte. Uh, a terabyte is the literal storage capacity of the laptop I'm using right now. Mm-hmm. So, and I, I regularly fill it and have to uninstall games I'm not playing and move stuff about because, you know, I can't be bothered to crack the chassis open and put a bigger drive in. But still, so if I think about my laptop in front of me as one terabyte, and Cody, you said it's how many terabytes? A trillion. One trillion. So one trillion of my laptop yep. is a zettabyte, and there were how many in 2021? 74. 74. So 74 trillion. Yes, of your laptop. Capacity of my laptop. That's it's, fascinating. It is. Yes, yeah, that's a that's huge crazy. amount of data. So, and one of the things I was thinking about with this is, you know, this is bleeding edge, obviously, but one of the things that we kind of joke about in our day-to-day tech industry is, you know, a lot of the backups that we do now for right. clients are cloud backups. So they go, you know, the, the data updates to the uploads to the cloud and, and their stuff is stored off site. So it's safe. So, you know, something happens to their building, a natural disaster, the data from their servers that just got wiped out is safely stored in some other somewhere state else. somewhere else. Yep. 
you know, one Maybe of the things the fastest to recover, but you can right. get it, but you can get it. Matters. And, and one of the things that we used to do, like when I first started in this business, one of the big things that just about every one of the clients that we worked with had was a tape backup where they would actually do their backups to a, a piece of tape. Like it would run like a VHS tape and back up the data to that. And that I thought that, you just heard is me wanting to crawl under my yep. desk. Yeah, yeah. It's the worst. It's, <laughs> yeah. it's so slow. It's awful. They're they're They go bad. You have to just like your old, you know, VHS would get weird. You'd but go to put it. I had it. I was really happy. It was right there. there you go. Yeah. But you know, you go to, you go to back up a tape and you know, nope, it spits it out and says, you know, you need to clean this. So then you'd have to put a special cleaning tape in, which would clean the heads just like the old VHS tapes that you used mm-hmm. to do so that you could write the data properly to it. It's a pain in the butt. But I thought that would be gone by now. But they, yeah. they're they still putting out new revisions of this, being able to store more and more data on these tapes. It's insane. At higher densities. Yeah. Yep. Well, I think about things like um, Amazon Glacier. You know, we, we think about Glacier as this very, very inexpensive place to put cold storage that you're not going to be accessing because the access is more expensive than the storage and retrieval and so on and so forth. I, I, I haven't looked it up in a long time, but at least... The last time I looked, Glacier was primarily built on massive arrays of tape banks. It was still huge, high-density tape, and that's why it was so cheap to store there, but so slow and expensive to recover, comparatively expensive, I should say, because it would have to access, retrieve off of tape and get that data back to you, which is much more slow and costly. Right. So... The, these storage technologies aren't going anywhere. They are continuing to evolve, of course. When we think about, you know, solid state storage and whatnot, shameless plug for our show. Uh, no, uh, when we think about SSDs and whatnot, and even the, the massive leaps and bounds those have made in recent years from a cost, reliability, and performance perspective, sure. But it's still not dense enough at a cost-effective scale to even remotely keep up to what those data storage requirements actually right. look like. So then you step back into spinning disks, which are, you know, certainly faster and cheaper to upkeep than tapes, but, but slower. definitely slower yep. than a solid state drive. Yep. Um, but even those can't then touch dollar for density, what the tape drives can do right. and, and, and all these needs. I'm looking at the, the, so the current version of tape drives, I haven't used these for years. So the current version of the tape drives is an LTO nine and the LTO nine. Yeah. Yeah. The LTO nine can fit 18 terabytes uncompressed on the tape and 45 terabytes of compressed data on the tape that okay. that's massive well, i yeah, didn't realize for a tape yeah so i mean there there's that that is still 100 viable today there are plenty of clients that we deal with that do not have 18 terabytes of data it's true mm-hmm. that they, they could back up there and they could have a seven day rotation of these tapes and you know wrote, have a different tape for each day and bring yep. one tape home and make sure that it's off like you know that was the way we used to do it and they could still be doing this today viably with these 18 terabyte tapes and still have plenty of space left on here with left. uncompressed data it would be awful to restore anything from them mm-hmm. but you could right. it's it's doable but you could do it yep I mean, it's definitely not as cool sounding as a diamond wafer. I can tell you that right. much. Well, I, I'm so you, you you start talking storage and diamond wafers. I'm going to nerd out for a second and say I'm you know I, I'm having immediate mental flashes of Mr. Data moving isolinear chips around on the Starship <laughs> Enterprise. So I mean, that's just you got me right there. I yeah, mean, that's, that's, I mean, I mean, I'm all in if that's what you're giving me just from a visual perspective, so my you know geek self can get all happy. Yeah, they, they have to work like that. They need to be slotted into little yep. wafer slots and, and lit up when they slot in. They light up. 
you know, yes. in, in different colors for the different sections. Yeah, you got to do it that way, man. Even <laughs> if it does nothing for it, the functionality yeah. of it, it I has to work that way. Presentation yep. value. Yes. Absolutely. Everything needs RGB, including my diamond wafer. Exactly. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> RGB, gonna, all the things. The, we're going to take one of those solid state left turns real quick, Cody, because Eric was talking to me yesterday about, you know, new microphones for the show. Uh-huh. And he sends me one, and Eric starts using all these very, very, very smart sounding and normally expensive sounding words about audio equipment that I don't fully understand. He's like, no, no, no. This is as good as a insert really smart sounding thing here, but a lot cheaper. And he sends it to me. And what's the first thing I noticed? Not the quality of the mic or the reviews for the fact that it had RGB lights on it. My Cody's going to want it. <laughs> it's, a, it's a mic with RGB on it. RGB. So, I know. I got, I'm pretty RGB'd out, but my head, you know, I could do a RGB microphone. Oh gosh. All <laughs> right. Right turn back in. Yeah, there we go. Let's um, get back on track right back in so obviously the the, what from a what's next perspective things like i don't know if it's going to be diamond wafers or you know other forms of quantum state storage or things like that there's so many other you know things lying out there just on the other side of the horizon but the the inescapable fact is we keep producing data at an incredible rate we want to get rid of none of it yeah i mean we we keep every bit of it at an ultra micro scale, I think about what we deal with on more of a day-to-day basis, you know, working in the tech technology field, trying to sit down with a user or a business owner or just a, 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 a regular Joe public person who just wants to use their computer. You ask them, hey, great, we're going to migrate you. Here's all your data. What of it do you need? All of it. But what can we get rid of? None of it. Mm-hmm. Well, should we audit it? I need it all. Like there's, mm-hmm. there's no second thought. That's my data. I want every bit of it. And you're not allowed you to need, get rid of any of you it. You need all 17 years of this email? All 17? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, when I think of first of this is just like, um, like a building footprint. Like, yeah, all these server farms are sitting there consuming sure. power, doing all that. Let's say, yep. you know, you get a NAS full of these wafers. Um, I mean, that could replace like an actual whole building and, you know, at this point, well, theoretically think about, yeah, sure. When you think about reverse scale of density, like if, if you, if you can make storage sufficiently dense and efficient, you're right. Cause a huge amount of our global footprint is storage, not mm-hmm. just, you know, obviously then there's still processing power and transport and all those other components. But I mean, a massive amount of that footprint and the resource it consumes is geared specifically towards storage and the ever-growing need for more of it. I mean, I know, Eric, we had, we had talked about doing a show on this and, you know, opted against it, but I think it's still relevant to this conversation. There was an article flowing around as, you know, tensions earlier began to flare up in Europe as they are still right now. Um, there was talks about, you know, as different, uh, you know, trade situations are being impacted and the ability for products to end up in one country versus another. And some of these countries that one day had access to more storage, the next day did not. And it's not something necessarily produced in at scale within their own country. So if they can't import it, now they're on a ticking clock of potentially running out of storage, literally space. running out of storage space. Like I think about, you know, going back to my laptop example, I run out of storage space. I have to, you know, I have to be one of those users for a second and say, no, I want all my games installed and realize I can't do that and uninstall one of the games I, I haven't played yep. in a year and don't need to take <laughs> up 80 gigs of hard drive space when you think about that at a national scale, just to, to sit there and stay, we can't necessarily eat to, you can't just build a hard drive factory overnight. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? That is there are raw materials and manufacturing processes and skill sets. I mean, anyone can do anything, but 
you can't do it quick. The only thing you can't do is do it quickly. Right. So if it's not a thing you're already doing to just internalize that need. That's not something you're going to quickly or efficiently do. So I'm not coming to the table with a suggestion. I don't know what the answer is. And depending on who it is, I may not want to offer a suggestion, <laughs> but, um, no, but, in all frank, but I think about that at, at a global scale. Okay. That might be one country or one group of people. The thought of reaching a point where the, the need actually outstrips the capacity and we don't tech our way out of it. I've never slowed down long enough to think about a data shortage. Right. Yeah. What, you know what, I mean? what does that look never. like on a, you know, what yeah. happens if, the United States is cut off and is on it, you know, like all these servers that have Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, all of those, all many pictures and audio files and videos and all of these things that are stored on there that grow exponentially every day. Suddenly we're ever, we're, we're 97% full on the storage that we have. And there's no way for us to add more storage to the United States and we're increasing exponentially. And we're going like, what happens when we like reach Tim that Cook? limit? Do you think Tim Cook will get a notification on his iPhone that says your iCloud storage is full, but it actually means the iCloud? Like the, the entire iCloud, iCloud is full. Like his iPhone is the whole iCloud. Yeah, what, when it says your iCloud for him, it means the, the it whole thing. It means yeah. your iCloud is full. Um, so I could not help myself. Uh, you guys know I'm, I'm a big fan of the HBO show Silicon Valley. Yep. And there's a laughable, but still like it makes me think about having this conversation. There's a scene where one of the CEOs in the show is in a board meeting talking about, you know, a lot of what we're talking about now, how quickly the need for storage is increasing. Obviously one of like the tentpole things about that show is like this battle for a compression algorithm and inside to make out smaller and, yep. and, 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 and middle out and all that. Absolutely. And, um, but that scene, while again, very, very funny, there's, there, I, I have to feel there's some nuggets of truth. there. like, what, again, playing out to the ridiculous. What does that look like? Is, is storage rationing does that become, at what point does that become a thing? Where, and we're already effectively doing that by saying, okay, going back to my iPhone example, for this, for free, you get this much storage. For this much money, you get that much storage. I mean, going back to what the answer is, I can only imagine much like we're feeling at the fuel pump right now, those costs would have to dramatically increase to artificially limit access to the storage. You know, if you think you need a whole terabyte of photos, great. That now costs you a thousand dollars a month. Like what, right. I, again, I'm mm -hmm. playing it out to the super. Oh, totally. Yeah. But, I mean, but I have to feel that's what that looks like. The only way to rein it in is to use dollars. Like that's right. economically, or, that's yeah, the only way to rein it in. There's no way, right? there's no way it, they would run into at a national scale, the same thing that we run into on a, on a micro level with a single user saying you've got 17 years of email, you need to clean up. It's not like they could, you know, president of the United States could go on and say, we're coming up on a data shortage. I need everyone to go online and delete anything right. that they don't need. No one's going to delete mm -hmm. anything because you right. want no all your data. Gonna, no one's going to empty their recycle. Exactly. Bin anyway, no one. So no, <laughs> exactly. Um, or the second stage recycle bin. Right. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I went super deep. Um, but I, I just think it is a fascinating conversation because we talk about, I guess it's, it's more this super huge nerdy air quotes here. It's more glamorous to talk about processor speeds and GPUs and architectures and all, but really all the processing and resource capability in the world is rendered useless. If we can't store the data, like it's that, it's that thing that's not nearly as fun to talk about, but as we produce these massive files and especially going Let's, let's go over to our metaverse episode for a quick second. And, and the talks about virtual reality and all the, these, these digital properties, as we were describing that episode, they're going to be, they're going to be huge. Yeah. Like these are not small chunks of data. So we start thinking about what the, 
I have to stop eye rolling every time the word metaverse comes out of my mouth. I digress. People far richer than I will ever be have made it important. So therefore it's going to be important whether we like it or not um, by their sheer will of dollars alone. Mm -hmm. Um, But if nothing else, successful or unsuccessful, these constructs by nature are going to be very, very large. Like Cody, you talk about data centers and footprint and things Mm -hmm. like that. I mean, we haven't even begun to think about what, what those experiences stored in ones and zeros are going to require. And then the thought of retaining them and backing them up. And, you know, what happens when redundancy, yep. What happens when your digital property gets ransomware? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, what do you do? Do you have business continuity for your, you know, digital your virtual space house? Yeah. Like how, how do, all these things. Cause when we come back to our that day-to-day door? jobs, <laughs> well, yeah, we seriously are. When we think about our day-to-day jobs and when we have storage conversations with people, we have to have that part of the conversation that, Hey, it's not just about planning for the storage of your live data. It's how much do you need to back up for how long are we going to back it up? What are the retention requirements? What's the recovery objective, the time objective, like all these things, all that then plays into these worlds where it's like, okay, we've now built the thing, but now we've got to back it up. By the way, we've also got to, you know, make it geographically redundant. So if one data center gets hit by a hurricane, everything can fail over to another data center in a whole different zone or geography. And like, there is no such thing as one or even a few instances of any of this data. So that's where the doubling, tripling, quadrupling of the footprint comes into play because we are talking about these platforms at a global scale. It makes them very, very big. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think when you mentioned, uh, you know, the virtual space and getting ransomware and stuff, I think it's, it's, I think that's kind of where almost the blockchain would come in. Right. Cause it, it keeps those, sure. those chronologically in order, you know, I think that partially may be the future with this kind of stuff. Um, yeah, that redundancy and that distributed storage that you get with the blockchain, right. Yeah. Making sure. And then knowing that, you know, whatever, you know, it's chronologically safe. So, you know, if you are buying something that's been passed around or, or whatever the case may be, but. And I, and I'm seeing on here too, you know, just for, we're talking about, you know, tape drive storage as well. They're saying that hard drive, they're predicting that hard drive capacity, HDDs, you know, like the, the regular Mm -hmm. spinning hard drives, the capacity of those will rise to about a hundred terabytes by 2025. That's not that far wow. in the future. No, and, they'll, and, you know, and they'll have data centers filled with 100 terabyte drives to store data on. That's going to, you know, it, it keeps increasing exponentially there right. as well. But again, you run That's into that Moore's test. Law thing eventually there where there, there's only so dense that you can make one of these magnetic platters that spins right. before you're just done. And you have to come up with something like a diamond wafer before you can get something more dense than that because i mean it's odd they're still working on making those denser i feel like spinning discs like that are definitely yeah i mean it, I, I would assume that way. it's the same this the disc is the same material but they're apparently the way that the data is written on there is getting more and more it's it's they're shrinking that Efficient, technology they're yeah. talking about mm-hmm. the technologies they mention are shingled magnetic recording perpendicular magnetic recording, enhanced caching, and they're now putting helium inside of the drive casings to, I'm assuming, increase efficiency or the the way that it writes, it needs no oxygen in there and that kind of thing for corruption. So, I mean, I'm guessing it's based on context from what I'm reading here, but it's, I mean, it's 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 definitely... Stacking data on data. Exactly, yeah. And then it can read through those stacks apparently somehow with with this new version of shingled magnetic recording or perpendicular magnetic recording. So hundred terabytes on a, on a hard disk drive. So, wow. Yeah. 
Jeez. And just again going back to how quickly this stuff changes. Try cloning that. Um, right. Oh god. <laughs> hey, Macrium. Uh, yeah. No, um, <laughs> free plug. Um, <laughs> anyway. Not affiliated. No. When when we talk about like. It seems like a lot of stuff seems to have like 10 year cycles. Like when we were talking yeah. about our PC, our first PCs episode, I think it's interesting. It's, having this conversation made me think about an article I read years ago and come to find out it was almost 10 years ago, 2013 to be specific. I remembered um, Steve Wozniak raising a, raising a bit of a fuss when the iPad Air came out. And at the time it topped out at 128 gigs of storage. Right. Mm -hmm. And he was very upset because he wanted, he wanted one with 256. And his reason was he wanted to be able to download every episode of big bang theory to that <laughs> iPad and have enough storage to do so. And mm, 128 simply wasn't going to cut it. Now, again, laughable, haha. -ha, but really to think about that was nine years ago. Yeah. Talking about, it was the, the largest model was 128 gigs. I believe you can now get an iPad pro in two terabytes. Two terabytes. So that's yep. 2048. And, um, I have a feeling I haven't done the math on this, but if you had say several seasons of a show in true full 4k, could you actually fit that on two terabytes? I don't, I don't know the answer I to don't, that. I don't mm -hmm. think you could 13 seasons. That's a lot of episodes. That's what yeah. say, if you, let's just say you had a 10 season show at 20 couple episodes a season at, at, at full 4k, like 4k Blu-ray rip. I don't actually know if that would fit on two terabytes. So again, going back to, yeah, the a modern iPad has several times over the storage of that iPad nine years ago, but as the size of the files has also commensurately increased, mm -hmm. the same argument could be made here and today, even though the iPad has gotten dramatically larger in its storage capacities, as in any computer, I was picked on the iPad because that was an obvious example from 2013. So I just, it's, it's again, remains fascinating to me that the technology keeps progressing. The storage keeps getting better, but it, it it's so. They're both at the same rate. Part of, well, it's the human condition, right? We keep gaining more. Con we will keep using, we will keep using what we have and wanting more. And sure, that's also part of what drives us forward as a species for better or for worse. But I just find it so fascinating that as we solve these issues, we also continue to carry on and reinvent the issue. Go, go out and uh, go out well. and Google um, George Carlin's uh, stand up on stuff. And that explains that human condition very well. Absolutely. <laughs> you're, you're not wrong. So another free shameless plug. There you go. Not affiliated. Not affiliated. Right? Yeah, not affiliated. <laughs> Oh man. Well, if there's anyone out there left awake as we've spent the last, I don't know how many minutes talking about actual storage capacity, um, any, anything you guys would like to round this one out on? No, I'm just, you know, I'm just very interested to round. see, <laughs> I'm just very interested to see where it, where it heads because, you know, obviously talking about diamond wafer storage, very cool, very sci-fi, you know, yeah, seem, oh yeah. seems really awesome, you know, to, to think about I that. I want my multicolored isolinear chips to open a door. This exactly. Is, I want to mm -hmm. override one door in my life. I'm moving <laughs> a ship from one slot to another. Exactly. Yes. You know, I mean, that's, that's very cool, but I mean, it'll, it'll be awesome to see where it heads with like hard disk drive capacities going to hundred terabytes. I'm sure SSDs will follow suit at a slower pace, but sure. you know, all those things are going to get more dense again, more storage. But like you said, are we ever going to really notice because we're constantly storing exponentially more data? Are we like, I feel like we're creating data at a larger rate than we're increasing the density of the storage medium. So it'll be interesting right. to see when those two meet. So that, that we continue, well, we continue to create an arms race. I think, yep. we, so if we go back to our premise, what's next for storage, storage is going to continue to be under attack by our 
endless need to make more advanced, larger yep. chunks of data. I got to have room for that 8K video. That's mm-hmm. what's going to drive that is going to be ever higher fidelity video. Now adding VR and AR and everything else to that equation. I'm, you want to talk about one uh, article I read, and I don't remember well enough to cite it directly, but when we start talking about three-dimensional, like holographic, we actually start getting into the holographic space. The amount of data that's involved in producing and storing a hologram is dramatic. So that's one of those inflection points where we start talking about, man, how could I ever fill a six gigabyte hard drive? We're going to start thinking about, you know, I'm going to need that. I'm going to need that hundred terabyte file storage capacity to carry this one bit of data in it. Because I'm, what I remember reading was that, you know, there, there are just certain technologies that we're just starting to touch around the edges on and they all kind of coincide with AR and VR and hollow and all these other things that the types of data you need to store those rendered objects is just massive. Mm-hmm. So uh, I guess on that actual bombshell, the answer <laughs> to what's next is Holograms. we're going to, we're, <laughs> oh yeah, we're going to, we're going to keep making bigger chunks of storage and simultaneously, if not faster, finding bigger things to fill them with. So mm-hmm. uh, on that, I guess we'll wrap. Talk to you later. Later. Later.